Super early today. It's uh, 3.15 because I had to juggle around who, what, when, where, how. Uh, no Alex today. It's me, Solo. Hi. Can you, uh, I always ask for feedback and I get very little of it. It would be helpful. It would be insightful. 3.15, 3.20 now, Monday, October 19th. We're going to talk about second chances uh, I want to share a, a personal COVID story. The only one that's been in my life so far has been my brother. Way back, basically, at the outset of this. He got it in April. Uh, but uh, a close a close friend of mine that you might remember me talking about on the show before, she's got it, and so does her boyfriend. So it's a whole mess there. And I want to see if you're getting what she got if you've been dealing with COVID. Um. Welcome to the podcast today. We'll have Janet tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, I got a I got a message from a, a friend. She's been on the show as well, and I've only met her two times, but she has great energy. Diana Patton. She's part of something called Rise Up in the school system. Um, Diana texted me and said, I want to connect with you. Let's do coffee. I said, I got a better idea. Let's do the podcast, and then we'll talk about it on the podcast when we can get coffee. So that's Wednesday with Diana, hopefully Ashley and Alex. On Friday, uh, sorry, Thursday, then Friday, Philip, uh, I hope jo- Philip will join us. He had a little vacation with Danny last Friday. Bethany had to probably fight everything within her to take care of the child and not podcast. So that's why Friday was different. My childhood friend who causes all kinds of commotion on Facebook, and I- I've learned what we talked about on the podcast, you know, he is just trolling on Facebook. I had another childhood friend message me and say, it's wrong for you to be giving him a platform. Well, one, we didn't talk about any of that stuff on Friday's podcast. It was more, it was far calmer than I expected. There's a couple of fights or words I could have picked on with Modi, but um, I didn't. It was a, a pretty enlightening discussion for me because I don't really have anybody to talk about my own religion with. And there are some deep, hardcore parts of it. And Modi helped answer some of those questions. I was quite dismayed to hear our our book, the Torah, the 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 OG, te- the Old Testament, um, use homosexuality as a sin. He explained that there, so that troubled me. Um, but hey, thanks for being here today. Let's start with the second chances thing. Uh, yesterday morning, I. Let me update you on this, first of all. Uh, if you've stayed with me since July, I've had the iPhone 11. Uh, you told me that I would get used to all the features and all this stuff. Um, I told you that my bill has not gone down. Bill 1 was 150 Bill 2 was 114 Bill 3 was 114 And Philip and everybody else is like, yeah, they kind of make up charges and then take them off. I'm like, oh, fuck me. So my, I, I went to the AT&T store today. And they said, you know, text the girl and then uh, text the girl who, who, you know, got this deal with you, which was at Target on at Spring Meadows. So she's working on it and hopefully this thing can get rectified. I did rationalize it this way. So every day I buy coffee, like $2.50 a pop. Sometimes if I go to Starbucks, it's a little more, but $2.50 a pop. Almost every day. So it's $2.50 times 30 bucks. So what's that, like $75? I now do the Panera coffee membership. It's $9 a month. So if I can't get this bill fixed out, at least 
you know, there's an offset there. While I'm spending an extra 30 bucks a month for my phone bill, which I'm very disappointed by and feel like I had a bait and switch pulled on me. I'm very disappointed. At least I'm doing the Panera thing and the money is kind of a wash at that point. But I'm at Panera yesterday drinking my free coffee and it is the strangest thing in the world. Every day I go in there and I don't pay for anything. It's kind of freaky. It's still, I'm like a month into this and it still takes getting used to. By the way, I do like other Panera food and I've got all these rewards now from getting free coffee every day. She's like, you got two $20 off and you got this free and that free. I'm like, whoa, and I'm not paying anything. So I'm reading a story in the Blade News slide. And by the way, I tell you this all the time because you or most people complain that they have to pay to get the Blade's content. I believe that the Blade has daily the best, they have the best day-to-day journalism of any of our news outlets. I think that that's pretty indisputable, okay? At least for what I'm looking for. But when I when somebody's got to dig in and do some deep investigative reporting over a period of time, over a long period of time, I think the Blade does that. Um, I don't pay for the Blade, but I don't complain. I use the Blade News Slide app. Other people have said, yeah, but you don't get all the stories there. Yeah, but I get everything that I need to keep me where I want to be and as informed as I think I need to be. The 25% of the things I don't get by not having a paper or paying for the for the website, I'm good with. I think I get what I need with the Blade News Slide app. So I'm reading a story about Kyle Overmeyer. That name with this guy's picture, I'm like, I know this. Where do I know this guy from? I never met him, but I remember the face. It's like, well, he's got... His, his beard, his facial hair is different. Oh, he was the Sandusky County Sheriff who was addicted to and doing all kinds of crazy things with uh, with opiates. And I read in, in the story, and I don't think I recall this from, so this goes back to like 2015, 2016. Long story short with him, he got caught after saying it was a political ploy to get him out of office by some competing sheriffs. He came clean, um... Did his four years in jail, and now he's out, and now he is uh, an addiction advocate for a particular service, I believe, in in Wood County. Um, doing great things. There's a great profile. So if, if you want, it's on my personal Facebook page. There's the Q page, Eric Chasing the Fam, on Q105 page, and then there's just plain old Eric. The story is there from the Blade News Slide app. Bad thing about the Blade News Slide is I don't think you can go back to yesterday. You can only read the current day's edition. Uh, I read in the story, and I don't recall this at the time, but I do. Do you remember this story now? I vividly recall this. uh, What he was doing, like these are felonies, um, major felonies, and and he he got hit with like eighty four counts, and thirty eight of them were were felonies. These were serious crimes. He would go to other jurisdictions and get their drug take-back boxes and I guess use and or sell those, use them. He was definitely addicted to opiates after uh, getting prescribed Vicodin for some ankle arthritis. And a lot of of doctors in the last 10 years we know have come under scrutiny for over-prescribing very addictive stuff. And Kyle, to his credit, said, not their fault. This is all me. I'm the one that was popping those pills. And he often did this while he was on the job. But he took these drug take-back boxes, and I guess that's when other municipalities and authorities said, hold up, something's weird here, and he got on the FBI's radar. But four years in prison later, he has completely turned his life around. This is why, as much as I would like to 
figuratively, maybe even literally, crucify. This is why, for some people, I want to get my guillotine out and just watch them go, watch their head literally roll for some of the things that they do. And I know that doesn't jive real nice with my thinking that criminals of criminals, people do bad things for one of two reasons. There's a, a serious mental health issue in play or some kind of desperation. I think you can put most crimes into those two buckets. I know that's very broad. That's almost too general for what I like to do. But if you examine a lot of crimes, I think you can put most of them in those two buckets. Uh, and as much as I, again, I would like to see heads roll for a lot of things, I deeply believe in when earned, when deserving, give people a second chance. So I'm really excited to see that Kyle, Mr. Overmeyer, has gotten a second chance. When he got out, he was making chicken. And one guy came in, or somebody came in one day from this facility, got to talking, and now he is an addiction advocate. And probably somebody, I I have already given lots of thought um, a bunch of times to He'd be good to have on the show. Or, you know, my friend Jen Wakefield from the Lucas County Suicide Prevention Coalition. Maybe we can all sit down together and Kyle can share his story. So good for him. Kyle Overmeyer, I, I'm, I'm betting you're going to guess. I'm, I'm betting you're going to remember him, especially if you look at his picture. Kind of a very memorable looking guy, at least to me anyway. I'm like, Kyle looks like he could be in the WWE. Unfortunately, he has this awful addiction problem, but not anymore. Let people have second chances. Let people earn those chances. Give them um, those chances. A quick example. I remember when uh, when Michael Vick did what he did and was caught. I said on, on my radio show back then, he would have been better off killing a human being. We're kind of desensitized to human death. It's sad, but it's the truth. Because when he killed those dogs, we all envisioned our dogs. Back then I had Jasmine. When I heard what he did to those dogs, all of them had my Jasmine's face on them. So I wanted him gone for life. But when he got out, when I listened to his words, when I heard the words from the leadership of the Philadelphia Eagles, I said, okay, he did his time. You can have a problem. You can't. You can, you can continue to have the problem with him, but I'm not going to do that. If you want to point the finger at something or someone, it's the legal system. This was the sentence that was handed down to him and he served it and not in some white collar place. I'm pretty sure it was Leavenworth. He did hard time. And from what I saw, I know not everybody will believe that it was true and genuine, but he is now back on TV doing sports analysis. Um, When he got out and it signed with the Eagles, He really embedded himself in the Philadelphia community um, for animal advocacy and went around to a lot of different schools to talk about what he did and how wrong it was. So he seemed truly contrite and remorseful and learned from the awful things that he did. And I do believe, now look, maybe I'm having the wool pulled over my eyes, but so far so good in his, what now? When did he get out? He he must have been out now, like nine or ten years, maybe, maybe 11 years totally clean living as far as we know. Now, you know, I, I like to say we never know 99.5% of uh, athletes and celebrities' lives, but I'm going to believe that Michael Vick has kept his nose clean and has truly turned his life around and is now a, a better human than many people after given an opportunity for a second chance. And if you want to say, if you are completely unforgiving of him and uh, and me for allowing forgiveness of him, I understand. But remember, I probably love dogs even more than you. 
and you still feel awful about those dogs, and I do as well. But uh, debt to society paid. And a last thought on on that that I keep seeing repeatedly as we get closer and closer to the election. People bring up old words of Joe Biden. Um, I, I think in the town hall or something in the last week, or they, they keep going after Joe Biden's record um, and how many people he imprisoned in, in the 80s, which I believe was at the height of or coming off of the crest of the, the crack epidemic. Um, people pull up old Donald Trump clips. The latest one I saw, I don't know if it's accurate or not. It's him saying he was pro-choice. And I, I'm really, really rarely going to hold people two words from decades ago. Uh, Look, we change our minds by the week, by the month. I mean, that's the great part about being a a human being. This is what puts us past the animals. We have the ability to procure and then process new information and then make a more informed decision. A a great example, everybody's on Baker Mayfield today, uh, the sports show that I really like. He was all over Baker Mayfield after a pretty awful game yesterday, even though we know he was hurt. Um, Baker Mayfield was the number one pick in the draft, right? And he's had three head coaches now. And and maybe he was never destined to be a superstar NFL quarterback. But we have more information now than ever before to make that decision as to what he is going to be and what he can be. The more you should collect as much information as you possibly can. Don't be so stubborn. Look, I'm stubborn. I, but I'm not too stubborn as to go, oh, now I have this information. I should change my mind. So be careful when you see Biden said this in 88. Biden did this in 92. Trump said this in 2001. Trump did. Now I want answers. I want to know if you've changed your thinking on that, but I'm not going to crucify somebody on words that are three decades old. We all change our minds, right? Uh, Speaking of voting stuff, I dove into, I hope I have the picture here in my, uh, I do. Uh, I dove into this book called, you know what? I forget what it's called. Give me one second. I'll just edit this up. In the summertime, I came across this book called Against Democracy from Jason Brennan. And I had a couple of minutes to dive into it today. I was able to borrow it on the Hoopla app. I'm glad it was there so I didn't have to buy it for otherwise. Um, And this is a very unpopular opinion, but for a long time, you've never heard me and try to think. Um, and actually back in the old show, I would go, I actually don't want you voting. If, if you're not educated, like why would I give you to make a very simple comparison? Why would I give you a driver's license? If I don't know you can drive a car, why would I, why would I be okay with you getting a vote when you have no idea what's going on? And I'm not talking about necessarily the presidential stuff. I get it. It's hard to wade through what's true and what is not, but local stuff. There are dozens of local decisions that we need to make, and it's kind of pathetic that for judges, maybe congresspeople, um, and other local races, there's like 43 votes. In a place like Toledo, like votes might be barely into the triple digits. And that stuff is really easy to dig up on. In fact, if you want to read a little bit about some, um, some of the local candidates, there was something in the city paper a couple of weeks ago that had all the local candidates answering all the same questions. Um, but you've, you you will never hear me on the get out and vote campaign. I will never tell you to vote for two reasons. One, if you're on the opposite side of who I'm voting for, I'd rather you just sit this one out so my person can win. But the other thing goes back to 
what I said on, on the old show, that I, I had a big problem with people who were ill-informed and uninformed and maybe just downright ignorant participating in the democratic process. It, it's unfair. Uh, let me give you this quote from this Jason Brennan book. Another idea, we should change our civic culture. I've been arguing since polluting the polls, a, a book of his, I guess, was published in 2009, and the mantra, get out the vote. Every vote counts is dangerous. Most citizens are not doing us any favor by voting. Asking everyone to vote is like asking everyone to litter. I agree. And so far in the first two chapters of this book, I've already read, um, it's already suggested numerous times something I've always thought. Just like you've got to pass a driving test to get a license, maybe you should have to pass some kind of very rudimentary or elementary uh, civics Civics or social science test to, to vote? I mean, think about it. Even if you're not on the side that I hope wins, don't we all want other people that we're seeing at the polls to be as informed as possible? And I get it. It's harder than ever to figure out what's true and what isn't. As this this thing from last week with the New York Post has a, a deeper, sharper magnifying glass on it, and it, it just looks ugly. Not for who it was written about, but for the people trying to drag Biden's through the mud, I'm like this is a this is the this is awful. Like this is slop. I get it. It's when you think when when I'm satisfied. Like okay, this person knows. Like this person knows what they need to to go to the polls. It's not unfair to go. Where'd they find this stuff? Did they use the best sources? We were all. In middle school, high school, college, and we hated doing these bibliographies, um, citing sources. Some sources are better than others, but I just wanted to float that idea of, or at least tell you why I don't people to go out and vote and why it really bugs me when we see really ill-informed people at the polls. Again, that's Jason uh, Jason Brennan. What did I say? Against democracy. Uh, What else to get to today? This Conant Street striping, we've known it's been coming for a while, and I will, um, as I always can be with you, be completely forthcoming and candid. I never drive down there, never drive that way, but I know a lot of people go back and forth across the bridge in Conant, Maumee to Perrysburg, Perrysburg to Maumee. It's a convenient route for you. This is what's called a road diet. It's been used in other places where it is a shrinking of lanes to make traffic less congested. That sounds completely paradoxical. Hold on. Less lanes would mean more traffic. Well, less lanes is hopefully the impetus to get you to take another road um, so there's less traffic, less fast traffic going down Conant Street. The idea is to make it more pedestrian-friendly, more walkable, and I guess the the goal is to get Adora. Um, There was one business owner, the coffee shop there. They said they're all for this. I'd like to hear from more businesses on Conant. I'd also like to hear from neighbors as well. I know this is what the mayor, uh, I know this is what the mayor wants, Mayor Richard Carr. I'd like to hear from neighbors because many people have astutely pointed out all these people who are going to avoid Conant Street will just cruise through the mommy neighborhoods. And that could be an unintended consequence of the road diet on Conan. At the very least, let it be a project. It's an experiment where we can gain new information and make a better, more informed decision. Um, Maybe it'll happen for six months and it'll happen over fall and winter and then by the time spring comes, we'll see that it worked and spring will bloom with lots of pedestrians, lots of biking, lots of walking in downtown Maumee. We don't know it unless we try it. And even if you're going to predict, even if you're sure of what's going to happen, let's at least get the information before we make a final conclusion. Um, I and, and 
you can tell me, Eric, you don't know what you're talking about. You just said you don't take this road. I get it. I'm prepared for something similar um, when airport and airport and burn gets widened itself. I take that twice a day to come to work, to go home from work. Um, I'm going to have to take another way. Probably airport to Reynolds to Glendale. Heather Downs? Somehow I confuse my roads. What road is... No, it's Heather Downs. I'm going to take Reynolds to Heather Downs. Well, guess what? Everybody else is going to have to take that way as well to reduce congestion and traffic as airport and burn is being reconstructed. That's going to put more traffic somewhere else. So we'll see what happens. But you can definitely tell me not to complain about a new, busier route when airport and burn is under construction. My uh, my COVID friend, uh, she is my internet friend, the girl that I've never met but I've now known for like 16, 17 years. Her name is Ashley. And it was seemingly only a matter of time before she got it. And I think that this might be something that you can relate to if you two are, I use air quotes, an essential worker. Not a, not a first responder, but an essential worker. You know, someone working in a supermarket who we were told how essential you were and are to keep the, to make sure people can get fed, to keep the the, the supply chain moving and all that stuff. So, she works for Free to Lay. She goes into a variety of different stores, Kroger's, Walmart's, and stocks her products. So, like, like I said, it was only a matter of time with the amount of people who are being cautious and not so cautious for her to get it. I'm surprised it kind of took her all these months to get it. She's gotten it bad. Um, I didn't want to make a joke about it, but she said that uh, she's uh, she is winded walking from one side of the living room to the other. So she's got it pretty bad for, and she's in good health. She's 34, 35, 36 or so. Uh, She's in in good health, takes care of herself, and she's gotten the worst of it for somebody her age. And her boyfriend that lives with her also has it. That's, and I asked her, I said, you don't know where you got it. She's like, absolutely not. So there is, you know, lots of rubs or lots of flies in the ointment of why this has been so hard to beat. Um, One thing I did want to pass along to you in the podcast here about Ashley, and I hope you're treated the same way. I didn't love that some of your your essential employee, uh, some of your essential employee bonuses were taken away by some places as the summer months went on. It didn't necessarily get more safe or more cautious, so I was disappointed to see that, but Ashley told me that um, I asked her, I said, do you have to use sick days for this? She said that she doesn't, she's not being asked to use sick days and she's being given her full base salary for 14 days or, or two weeks. So that's that's pretty generous, I believe, from Frito-Lay because, look, you don't have anything. I mean, look, I always talk about big companies, corporations, they've got all the power. They can just wait, wait you out while you lose money and, you know, need to pay your bills. But without the mass of employees and treating them respectfully and well uh, without your employees, you're not that much. So I'm glad that she's getting treated well. And I hope if you've been through some kind of COVID instance, COVID battle, even if it was just, um, you know, you've got to quarantine for a couple of days because you might've been exposed. I hope your employer has been helpful in the situation. Two last things to get to with, uh, with some TV and entertainment stuff. One last thing and, and maybe I'll save most of it for Alex tomorrow. Uh, I'm completely done, Bly Manor. And I came across a story yesterday, and I've shared it up on the show Facebook page, Eric Chase and the Fam. Uh, it's there. I forget what the website, where the website source is, but it pointed out all the times there were ghosts on screen during the haunting of Bly Manor. Um, 
I don't know. I didn't examine them that closely, but they could have been just shadowy figures that weren't ghosts or shadows. Clearly not as obvious to me as in The Haunting of Hill House where I was like, there's one, there's one. So check it out. See if you notice them as well. Some of them I remember from watching the show and go, yeah, that's something. And then other ones, they're just photographs. I'm looking at them going... That could be the shadow of anything. It has to be somebody off camera, not necessarily um, ghosts as Easter eggs buried in the show. And uh, I've been waiting for it because I, I didn't know anything about it, much like as Alex always mentioned, we learned about what happened in Tuscaloosa with Lovecraft Country and Watchmen. Did I get the city right? Alex, smack me if you want to. No, it was Tulsa, right? Sorry, I confused my T's in the in, in southern parts of the country. Um, this was the trial of the Chicago 7. I don't even know the time frame. I'm guessing late 60s, early 70s, a, uh, a, a protest, something that we're all very familiar with, going on outside the Democratic Convention in Chicago. People came from all... These protesters, these activists, came from all over the country, and then seven, seven of them... And then one guy who was not connected to them but was a Black Panther, they were all put on trial. And I learned a lot about it. Uh, it's from the um, from the producer, director of, you know the name maybe, Aaron Sorkin. He did The West Wing. He did uh, A Few Good Men. And if A Few Good Men is 10, an A+, this is a, I mean, you're never going to match that again. That's a, that's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of creation by uh, by an artist. But this is a, a real strong B, especially because it has a really solid cast. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, who has what the Borat sequel coming up, Jeremy Strong, who is in Succession, I think I got that right, who people, like, I don't know anybody that watches that show. I just read a lot of places that adore the hell out of it. Also, Frank Langella plays a very boomerific uh, judge who is clearly the antagonist uh, more so than the prosecutors in this so you will hate him during that role and you will probably know Frank Langella when you see him in some of his roles Skeletor from the really awful 80's He-Man movie he plays the judge who's just not taking any crap whatsoever contempt here contempt there and another name you not you might not know but he is a brilliant UK actor, I don't know which country there, which place there, but Mark Rylance is one of the most gifted actors on the planet. So his name drew me to it. I can't, I I think he was in Dunkirk. That might have been the biggest thing you've seen him in. Uh, Something Wolf Hall was a big prestige show. But you've probably seen some of his work. I don't know if he's ever been the key role in anything you've ever seen, but he is brilliant. He played the defense attorney who kept just throwing up his hands, getting all those contempts in court because he couldn't deal. He was completely exasperated with how the judge was basically working for the prosecution. So again, good courtroom stuff. As good as any Law & Order episode, it's about two hours and ten minutes. It deals with a lot of things that we're dealing with in the papers today. The Black Panther guy, accused of a crime that he had nothing to do with. Lots of activism. What's taking what's taking activism and protest too far? What's taking police action and defense mechanisms too far? You're right. It's, it's like they just wrote the script as the summer went on. So that's called The Trial of the Chicago 7. And that is on Netflix.
Also, shout out to a um, a Falcon legend retiring, uh, Mike Emrick. He is he was a long time up until yesterday. Um, he is the best NHL announcer in history. And for people that want to zone out of sports stuff here, totally get that. But I was lucky enough when I was a little boy, he was the play-by-play announcer for the Flyers on the sports network called Prism. And I knew that he, I was a little boy and I just knew that I loved listening to him, watching him call a game. He had a different inflection. He used different vocabulary words. The speed which he could describe the game was indescribable. He is truly the best person who has ever done that. And if you want to zoom out on that, think of people in what you do or sports or TV, acting, writing. Think of who the best ever is at their particular uh, pro- profession or occupation. That's Mike Emmerich. And he is a proud BGSU alumni. Uh, he's come back to support their very gifted, their very successful hockey program over the years. So it's going to be disappointing not hearing him anymore. But he is certainly up in the pantheon of great sports announcers. John Madden, Vin Scully for baseball. Basketball, basketball, basketball. Who would be the basketball one? Basketball, there's a bunch of them. Marv Albert. So, and I was lucky enough as a little boy here, Mike Emmerich, and I was disappointed when I believe he left the Flyers to go to the New Jersey Devils and then eventually started doing national games. So it was great to hear him again. And I, as a sports fan and as someone who loves great announcing and great broadcasting, duh, uh, will truly miss what he has brought and what he's brought to games for decades and decades. Hey, if you're still here, first one to text me or text, um, message me somewhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. First one to message me, I will give you tickets to the Haunted Hydro. Okay, out at Fremont. It is happening with Crazy Bob and his crew. Um, you got to make an appointment, a reservation. You wait in your car, which we're used to by now, and so you're not standing in line next to a bunch of people. First one to say, hey, you know what? And give me some feedback about the podcast as well. First one to do that, I will hook you up with tickets for the Haunted Hydro. I don't do it better than any of the rest of um, the fam, but bye!